Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Rugby League Talks. I'm Keegs. I'm Jacob. Bro, how good is footy? Like, honestly. <laughs> what a week. Oh, my God. It, it just, again, as we said last episode, it just continues to build to be one of the best final series <laughs> in a very long time. I think, yeah. I think it's better than currently, better than 2017 Grand Final. Like Ooh. And they, that had a Cowboys side fucking ripping and tearing until the very end. They didn't win it, but they were fucking ripping and tearing. Yeah, well, they, they shouldn't even have made the finals. Um, it was kind of the Bulldogs that went and saved them. Mm. So for them to be able to have made the finals and made a grand final is pretty impressive. Um, I don't think there's any fairy tale stories this season, which is a bit unfortunate because it would be pretty awesome for there to be one. Uh, actually, no, that's a lie. Mars. The Warriors exist. Yeah. yeah. I thought of, I, I kind of, I thought about like out of the top four for a second, but I forgot that they had their run. Well, Waz and Brisbane. No, both mm. made, both didn't make finals last season. They're now top four and they're in a prelim against each other. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's pretty outstanding, isn't it? And um, not just that, but you also remember that one of them is basically guaranteed to make the grand final because they're playing against each other in the prelim here. Which is scary. Which is... Because we all, I think everyone wanted the Broncos versus Wars grand final. Yep. You're on the fence. You're either... you got to pick a side. You can't be on the fence. You, you want one of them to win. I think a lot of people will swing Wars way. But I'm going Bronx. I'm sorry. I'm I gotta go Bronx. <laughs> I'm I'm the exact same as well. Um, obviously, grew up in Townsville, but moved to Wyndham a few years ago, and have spent a lot of time here. Spent a lot of time watching the Seagulls. So, lots of those go, those guys have played before Broncos. You know, I've told that story about a thousand times. But yeah, I'm I really hope that they do make it. Not only just that, it's just everything they've been through the past several years. Losing coaches, sacking coaches, you know, going from wooden spooners to signing the greatest, one of the greatest halfbacks of this generation to players making origin debuts and fucking killing it. Mm. And then going on to get a kangaroos jersey and winning the World Cup. Yeah. No, it's a pretty awesome story. Oh. And not only that, on the Waz side, you've got a reformed SJ, as we've spoken about, new coach who is just turned a side completely on its head for the better. A better mentality. You've got boys who actually want to rear that jersey, kiss that symbol on their chest, and be like, this is my team. And I'm going to fight for him. you got, like, CNK. He's one of the boys, I think, of. And I th- he's a New Zealand boy. He's back home with his family. He just loves it. He loves that club. Yeah. He's bloody amazing defensive fullback as well. Um, and I think just a guy that keeps the line so solid and positioned in the right place has been fantastic for them. Yeah, I agree. It's also, like, you got players who aren't even from New Zealand repping that jersey 
and saying, I'm going to fight for this club. Like, usually, like, obviously you would see those, like, some boys, say for Penrith, I love this club, but they were born in Australia and stuff like that. But these are Australian boys fighting for a New Zealand team. This shows the culture of the Waz. Fuck, you got... You got Steve um, Kerr, the the Golden State coach, yeah. saying up the Waz. You got people in America who don't, who probably don't even watch NRL, saying up the Waz. That's how it's far, pretty awesome. Yeah, that's how far it's come. And if, to go to Vegas watched... next year, to go to Vegas next year with four big clubs, is just going to be another way to build this sport for the better you know you got the biggest rivalry in sydney in souths versus roosters you got manly who hate to say it one of the most prestigious clubs in nrl history who have Mm. just made legends and then you got the broncos who potential grand finalist winners out of all four of them probably the most popular team in the country too to be honest yeah and the pride of Queensland for 10 plus years before well, the Cowboys came in well yeah I was going to say they had maybe about 7 years but yeah <laughs> that's that's getting too technical roughly 10 but yeah it's going to be one hell of a get, like future for this sport and it's just going to continue I, I said um, to someone, like, just in a casual conversation, it's like, when COVID hit us hard, like, hit everyone hard in 2020, and we were the only sport up and running, we failed as a sport to capitalise on that because we could have been on ESPN, we could have been on World Star, we could have been on Daily Loud, we could have been on all these big social media platforms and shown their highlights to the world and show, hey, this is NRL, this is our footy, enjoy it. I remember yep. someone on Twitter from America saying that they watched the Bulldogs versus Cows game and they said, I love these Cowboys, when's the next time they play? And I so, remember that guy. Yeah. Cowboys reached out to him. Yeah, 3 a.m. your time or something like that. It's like, yeah, I'm down. That was it. So Which, just, there was some small bits, but there were some bigger bits we missed, and this is a to rectify it. We're in Las Vegas. Like when people think of America, they are, they think of three places, in my opinion. This is this is what I think of: New York, yep. Vegas, LA. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm having a look at tickets now. I was gonna go. Look. It's it's oh, best do- of luck. It's doable. It's affordable, in my opinion. And I'm a broke uni student. Oh, that's we're, we're two different types of broke uni students. Because I tell you what, mate, I struggle to make it to the north side sometimes. Ooh, you poor bastard. <laughs> but with that, but... let's talk about these four, these two games. Mm-hmm. Roosters gone. They're gone. Goodbye. Knights, gone. Willie Mason's laughing with a cold beer in his hand at the TV. Tyson Gamble, gone. Tyson, gone. Jackson Hastings, 
in a hospital bed. Poor guy. But um, yeah, poor bastard. I don't think he. I don't think he changes that result. He doesn't. Yeah. Not with how the forward battle was going. I don't think no, they got rolled, mate. Yeah, losing all of their tackles. Um, every and this is what I love: the defensive technique of the Warriors. They were getting three people in every single tackle, and their ability to manipulate the rock guys just went straight on their backs. It's like uh, Newcastle walked in the Kelso and got fucking rolled, mate. <laughs> now, if you're Kelso. from Tansville or not North Queensland, <laughs> you know Kelso. what Kelso is. Bloody hell. But Walked into Kelso. Look, Wade Egan, he had a bit of mongrel in him that night. And I think everyone could see it because I walked in I saw him make two tackles back to back, and I'm like, "Ooh, they... he was up for it." He was up for it. He he knew how much that game meant to the club, but not mm-hmm. only that, Nkora goes off, has a HIA, comes back, doesn't get a bit more mongrel in him. He, he doesn't stop. I think everyone on that side there showed what it meant to be a warrior. That and honestly, good job to him. They deserve that spot against Brisbane. Nui, bro, KP got kept quiet. He got told to shut mm. up and sit down. Yeah, I thought um, off the back of what was happening with their forwards, I thought that they weren't going too well. I thought Saifidi did okay at the start. Uh, he, he was winning his tackles in attack. He made sure to find his front. But nothing was nothing too much was really happening on the back of it. And I think there will be lots of comments made about their spine and how most of it's been all Kalen. Um I don't really align to that side of thinking as much as I think their main issue was literally just losing their tackles. Like it's such, I know I say this every week and it's such a basic thing. But when you are getting completely ganged up on, like the Warriors forwards were doing in the middle. And you just you don't have any of the strength to be able to find your own front. And if you're not even doing it back to them in defense, like there were so many times where I saw whether it was AFB or whether it was Tohu or even if it was just like near Kore or even Sirenen at times, like they were just they were getting through their tackles. They were leaving markers on the floor when they got to play the ball and they were just getting on a complete roll. Well, you have a look at it. And, you know, Willie Mason said, Oh, that would be the worst spine in the comp without KP. And, you know, I, I, I highly disagree with that because if myself, who has never played an NRL game in his life, can watch 30 seconds of vision of Knight's offense and see that Hastings is a very pivotal player in how KP is able to run the ball... Then yep. what's Willie Mason doing? He gets he gets very deep into the line, Hastings. Um, I think, and not just that, but even Crossland, how well he's gone this year. Mm. I have gone from a Crossland doubter to a massive, massive, massive fan of Crossland. I think he's been playing very well this season, and you'd you'd be hard pressed to say that he wasn't a good hooker. Well, yeah, have a look at it and. Not only that, he, he allows those uh, forwards to get a fast play of a ball. You know, we've mentioned Leo Thompson. He throws bullets too. Oh, bro. 
So good. He throws bullets, and that's they're running really basic attacking shapes on the left side. There's not many times where I look at attacking shapes of knights and go, sorry, that that's like mega complex or with moving parts to say what they're I do with the warriors. This, they're running the same attacking shape as they did a year ago. They are. They're just executing it much, much, much better. Yeah. And you have a look at it and you say that Knights lost this forward battle. And 100% they did. You could tell by how many ruck infringement penalties there were. There was 4-0. to zero. You know, Knights yeah, having four ruck infringements. That's them trying to slow the play the ball down. That's them. That's yep. a That's those stats telling us was forwards were faster and were able to win more tackles. Agree completely. I thought they just... They they stomped all over them in every fundamental area that a fullback really could have. And obviously, when you do that, you just get absolutely zero space to work with. And that's that's pretty much why I'm of the opinion I don't think that game was set up by the spine because that was, that was a textbook forward domination letting the rest of the game happen, in my opinion. I think that... Um, Obviously, Knights, and there's lots of criticisms of the Knights' effort. I, I don't know if I agree with that. Well, I'm gonna I don't think up. it was effort. I, yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, but I'm going to pull up. Sorry. I just pulled up the forwards. Only one man ran for more than a hundred meters in that forward pack on that night, and that's Jacob Safidi. Yep. Leo Thompson, thirty-two. Tyson Fazell, ninety-eight. Didn't look. I thought Safidi. Oh, really, really stepped up. He did. He's a leader. He was, Adam was, Elliott, another guy who steps up. Yep. But I love Jacob Saifidi. No, I just I loved Saifidi that game because he just kept winning his tackles in attack. And that's realistically, if you're finding your front, you are making the job for the next guy about a thousand times easier. He um, made thirty six tackles. Yep. He did he, Decent work rate. I thought um, Dylan Lucas made 44 as well. The uh, second rower playing early on. And I think I'm starting to look at the Knights' defensive structure. And it reminds me a little bit of the Roosters. Not in the exact same way with all of the kind of cyclone rotations. But in terms of how many tackles their second rowers get involved in. Mm. Like Leo Thompson made 24, for example. Um Frizzell made 43 and Lucas made 44. A lot of defending and you can see it because it was like 56 to 44 possession. Mm. And they got absolutely swamped in terms of run meters as well. Yeah. Like I'm not I'm not a fan of the run meter stats but yeah you, you concede 744 post contact meters 2000 run meters um, 7 line breaks. You yeah, the average set distance of forty five meters, and they had a quicker play of the ball. Um, what else can you go to? You look at that. You miss forty seven tackles. You give away three penalties, four ruck infringements, and that's just you look at all of that, and you can see that they just got completely and absolutely whipped up the middle. Um, and I do think that that is going to be where the strength of the Warriors is. It has been all season. Obviously, they've got some absolutely fantastic systems in places with their attacking shapes and whatever. But you win your tackles, you win your games. And that is that is what the whole revolution at the Warriors has been, in my opinion. 
They've moved away from individual brilliance and relying on guys like SJ and Walsh. And they've moved towards just this pure fundamental footy, believing in their structures, buying into the concept of getting everyone involved in the tackles and winning the ruck. Like, small thing to talk about. Tamari Martin, his efforts in defense. I've seen a lot of people saying that they would prefer it if um, Metcalf was playing over Tamari Martin. But after watching Tamari in defense, I can't agree with that. Mm. Because this is a 5'8" who was getting involved, getting low in the ruck and winning his tackles and putting second rowers on their backs. And to be able to have that level of ruck manipulation, even out wide, where most teams are generally scrambling or just happy to make their tackles, he wasn't just making them. He was making sure that guys were getting on their backs. And that it bought the Warriors so much time. It keeps their defensive line fresh. means that CNK can get himself in position. It just It has so many flow-on effects for their game and it allows them to pull off games like what they did against the Knights where they can just essentially manage the game for themselves. Well, you have a look at it. You look at his stats. He only ran for 23 metres, only kicked for 22. He wasn't the primary playmaking half. He wasn't making plays. That was SJ. Uh, it was Martin I, there defending. Well, he made a few, but... Yeah, well, they... um. I thought, yeah, he is, it was fairly underwhelming in attack, but when you have the level of structure that the Warriors have, you can you can kind of get away with that sometimes. Um, you look at lots of other teams where they have halves that aren't exactly the world's most creative players. Um, I would say, first and foremost, best example of this is Chad Townsend. I think what he's able to do... Like, I don't think he's anywhere near as good defensively as Tamari Martin, but the way that the Cowboys play just using and executing basic structures and playing off the back of guys like uh, what Ruben Cotter are able to do. And I think that's something that extends to other teams as well, and especially the Warriors. So I think as long as, honestly, as long as Tari Martin is making good decisions all in his hands, I think he's absolutely the right guy for the job. I agree. You know, you're not going to... Because when's um, Metcalf predicted to get back? Not until next year, right? Yeah, no, but also Tamare was... He was their first choice 5-8 to start the year. Yeah. Oi, I just had a look. That's that's crazy to me. $1.26 to $3.90, Broncos way. I'm not surprised by that. I'm not... I like that. Uh, well, I say that's crazy to me, but... Like, you can see why, but holy, f- nearly, f- what, four bucks for a Waz yep. win? Oof. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty brutal. Also, I do want to say that my favorite thing about these final matchups this weekend are that these are the four teams that are probably the best in the ruck. Um, mm. Broncos are on another level. Obviously, they'll have lots of attention being drawn towards their flashy play. But the year that Haas and Carrigan have been having, not just in attacking, but defensively, has been absolutely freakish. Um, And they're going to be very well-rested. They've had their week off. And that can be mega important in a time like this. So I think that's going to be the huge uphill battle that they have to climb. The other game as well. But you have a look at it, though, and you are 100% right. These boys went through a fucking grind. 
when they versed each other this year. It was 22 to 26. Yep. That, like, and they're up for a grind. Like, look at how well they did against Knights. And Knights were... Knights knew they were going to have to buckle up this game because they got they got sent to the death against Canberra and narrowly won it by a penalty goal. Penalty, yeah, penalty kick. And now they're up against a Broncos side who the better half of the year has been the best side all year. Yep. Sorry, that sounded dumb. For the better half of the year, they have been the best side. They are on Very number completely. one. They've, for I think for the for majority of the year, they've been top two. Yep. I do want to say I do want to add something though for the um, Warriors Broncos game. Mm-hmm. Um, Warriors were not entirely at full strength, but they were pretty close to it, um, at least in terms of their starting lineup. Um, they're Broncos were they were not very close to it. I think um Dad Sailor at fullback for starters. Um yep. Mariner at wing instead of Oates, but he was still bloody is good this Mariner. Origin? Yeah, it is. This is uh, yeah, throughout the origin period. Um their starting forwards were Palacia, Jensen and Hetherington in the middle. So no Haas and no Carrigan. Um, no flags. So, yeah, no flags as well. So, essentially, that was... And this was a Warriors home game as well, um, where essentially the Broncos' backup forward units uh, got the win there. And I think that is something that would probably concern you more than anything else because they that backup forward unit still... It still stood up. Um Warriors definitely, I think their forwards were winning the battle that night. I thought they were winning it fairly well, to be honest. Um, They were slowing down the ruck and everything. But they just had a few of those lapses when it comes to how they were working defensively, um, how they were working as a unit, and just actually capitalizing on their opportunities. Because two of those tries to make the game close came in the last maybe six minutes. It was after Dean Mariner scored the last try for them. Yeah, 23, 38, 53, 71 is the minutes that they scored in. <laughs> and yeah, on you, Waz scored three in the last 20, two of those being in the last 10. Yep. So it's definitely based on when they have played each other. I do think it's going to be a really interesting matchup. Um, I think if the Warriors forwards don't do better than the Broncos, I definitely think Broncos get the win. Yeah. Um, I think their spine is definitely better. However... I'm not counting out the Warriors just because they they both play the same game as the Broncos in terms of what's actually at the engine of why they're winning. You said um, there was, you said there was no fair, like there wasn't really a big fairy tale coming into this final series, but I, I, got I one. forgot I forgot Warriors existed. But yes, Reese Walsh. That's mm. 
up against his old club in a prelim. A but home prelim, a nonetheless. Home prelim. For an, an opportunity to be one of the best players in a team making a grand final when he, just at the start of this year, was still eligible to be playing um, Colts. Like, when you put it that way, that at the start of the year, Reese Walsh was eligible to play Colts, that's pretty freakish. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Holy. Bro, he could, like be, to... he could have been playing against fucking your Matty Hunters, your fucking Jamal Shibasakis. Wow. But he was... But instead, he was out there outplaying James Tedesco on the origin stage. Holy shit. That's, yeah. So it's really freakish um, to actually kind of reckon with just how far ahead of the curve he is at his age. I would he be really myself if I was any of those under 21 boys and I see Reese Walsh on the field. Yeah, no, it's pretty insane. And he's, because a lot of people will... And this is something that I never understood is before Origin, a lot of people made the point, oh, Walsh is going to shit the bed. He's too flashy, passes it over the sideline. You you look at all of this, for him at his age to have made the improvement that he's made over not just the past year, but the year before, and have so much substance to his game as well, like... The amount of substance he has, like how well he defends for his age. Because generally, you look at young fullbacks, they don't come in and they don't light it up defensively usually. There's usually a lot of cracks in their game defensively. Like the only guys where I've seen just defend incredibly well at a very young age lately, um, I think of Buller, but he still has issues. Um, yeah. There's been a few times where Buller, I don't think, has counted things properly. Um, then Walsh and then Hammer. Um I could go on forever about how important it is to have guys have guys like that in your team, but it's just absolutely freakish what he's able to do at this age. Not only that, like we mentioned, how it's old team and all that, it's a sellout apparently. Yep. And Walt, he's you know the one thing I was concerned about going into Origin is he can make mistakes. The one thing yep. I didn't account for is. He'll make them. He'll continue doing it. Like he has the grit of. If one he doesn't he doesn't doesn't stop, go into his shell. Yeah, if if it doesn't work out, he'll try it again. He'll try it again. He'll try it again. Like um, it was Guru who pointed it out in a video, and he said, "Golden point, Walsh missed three in a row, but he still went for the fourth. And I'm like, wow. I didn't think about that. That's just, and at that point, I think he was 19 years old. Yep. And he was ready to like put the game on his back. He he is absolutely oozing confidence, and he does it at every point. You see it like I'm of the opinion that the bigger the stage gets for Walsh, the bigger his performances have become at each point. Because you look at Origin, he. He reached another level in Origin, I thought. Um, he was constantly there to clean up grabbers, constantly communicating in defense. Every time there was a bomb or a high ball, he was putting his body on the line, getting airborne, doing absolutely everything he could to stop it. 
And that that's exactly what you want from a fullback at any point of the game that they're playing. So, yeah, I'm pretty... So I'm a massive Walsh fan. And, so yeah, it's that confidence and that swagger about him that I really like because he's, like I said, he's never gone into a shell. And what I also like about this game, you got Walshy, best up-and-coming fullback, apart from Buller, but, you know, at the moment. I, I consider Hammer up-and-coming still because yeah. he's still really young. Out of those, but he, he's going up against a fullback who has an engine, and that's CNK. He ran yep. for 300 metres last week. This dude is a workhorse, and he'll take it up the middle if he needs to. He's a player that will do the hard yakka for the forwards. It's something that um, all those Broncos boys will have to consider going into it because you might, you never know. It could be you wrap up AFB, but it gets an offload of Raider CNK through the middle, and he's blitzing you. He's weaving, he's stepping, and it's just him and Walsh in the backfield. You better be bloody careful. I I see CNK the exact same way I see Dylan Edwards. Speaking of it... They are, they're so freakishly similar. Um, little announcement. A week leading up to the grand final, every day we will be posting... I will be posting a video about a certain grand final. One of them is scheduled to be 2015. The second is considered to be Dylan Edwards' performance in the last two grand finals. That'll be so much fun. And it's not going to be like that informational one. It's going to be... I'm planning it on it to be like a funny video, but also, you know, just showing how good these get, like these things can be. It's a work in progress, but we'll get to it. Can't wait. I'll send you a little clip of it later of what I'm inspired to do. That's going to be so good, actually. But um, I think you could consider three out of the four fullbacks now in this in these two games out of the four teams. They're, they're hard-carrying tough boys. The odd one out here would be Meany because I don't see Meany going through the middle a lot. He will on the short side of the support play. I just haven't really read into He's not a huge body. No. And I, I don't think I've focused enough on his game or like seen enough of him to be like, yeah, this is how Meany plays and this is why it happens. I just haven't... He's, he's really balanced. He gets drawn away from too much, I feel, because it's going to be... It's kind of like you're a 5'8 of the Storm and 20s in that like real dominant area. You know, because you could do something really good, but then it's overshadowed by a Billy Slater, by a Cam Smith, by a Cooper Cronk. If you know what I mean. The Blake Green era. The Blake Green era, yeah. Blake Green, I think Ben Hampton at one stage. Bro, I could not tell um, you who their 5'8 was in the 2017 Grand Final, or any of those Grand it, Finals, to be honest. I know Brody um, Croft pretty was sure it was half at one point. It was Munster, I'm pretty sure. Was it? Or was, yep. Was 2017... 2017. No Billy, though? Uh, I'm pretty sure Billy did play in that one. 
have to double check because I kind of wipe that game from my memory sometimes. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. That was a very scary night to be alive for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, Blake Slater was the Clive Churchill medalist. Oh, that's right. Spine was Slater, Munster, Kronk, Smith. There you go. All right, well, what you And speaking of big games, by the way, uh, the 5-8 for the Cowboys in that game was Tamari Martin. Because I think lots of people forget that. Tamari Martin was the 5-8th in that 2017 Cowboys grand final run. So he he has more final experience than people will completely give credit for. Um, I was thinking of 2016 <laughs> because that's when Munster was full back. Yep. It was Munster, Green, Cronk, Smith. And there was one year where in round one, they started with Cameron Munster at centre because they yeah. had to find a way to fit him into the team. Well, that, that speaks volumes, doesn't it? Yeah. It was, it was pretty weird because you think of it now, imagine Cam Munster in centre, you'd think it's a bit... I'd also point out that game, that 2017, Tohu Harris was 12th, 12th man. He was right second row for Storm that night. Yeah, no. It's um, Tohu Harris of playing 5'8 for New Zealand fame also. Don't remember that. Very, very versatile player. Which just makes it all the more impressive how actually really good he is in the middle. Oh, no wonder. Like, I can see it. Because how good he can be with the ball playing is phenomenal. Yep. Creates so much space for his outside goal. Pass run options are amazing too. He knows exactly when to pull the trigger on which. You know, you can't you can't read what he's going to do properly because the moment that you give him some space and think that he's going to pass it, if you get lazy and you try to start your slide too early or if you don't do a proper check and release on him, he just goes straight through. Mm. <laughs> what the hell? It's going to be... Oh, it's going to be a That's good going game. To... It's going to be a good game. Harris, Harris versus Carrigan is going to be one of the more fun battles of the final series. Fucking hell. Didn't think I'd get to this, to be honest. Neither, but I'm bloody happy that we did, to be honest. Um, it's as good as it's as good as it gets because whoever wins between Broncos and Warriors, even then, I don't really care because whoever wins that, I want them to go all the way. Yeah, I think that I've seen enough of Melbourne and Penrith in my lifetime already. I've decided um, it's time for someone else to get it, and a lot of people will feel that way about the Broncos, but I think that I think they've spent enough time yeah, in um. Yeah, they've spent enough time in Seabold Purgatory. Yeah, poor guys. Well, in that yep. case, we've mentioned Storms, we've mentioned Penrith already. Let's get just get to it. Did yep. you see the photo of their training, Storm? Yes, that is... What the hell? That is very strange also because I I'd like it. to point out that they're not actually Penrith jerseys they're wearing. They are Penrith t-shirts with the jersey design printed on are you really going to go out and buy 
jerseys at $160 each? No, thank you. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Bro. Then again, this is the Melbourne Storm. They are not short on money. <laughs> Did you see there was a someone said it uh, on Twitter and it was like, oh, a dis- discounted James Fisher Harris spotted at Storm. <laughs> I did see that one. It was Morera, your boy. I love him so much. I'm so sad that Tepai Morera isn't getting any game time in the finals. I completely understand the decision to go for someone experienced in Tarek Sims, but oh my god, I just I just love Morera. He just knows exactly where to go. Just finds his front every single time. What and that think? is, yeah. What do you think of the um? Because we mentioned it against Roosters, and we said it could be better of a forward pack. What do you think of um, Lorero now coming off that victory from Chooks? Um, I, I still don't particularly rate him, at least at the second row position. I think that he he's played better footy as a bench middle, but also they're kind of short for options in that position because what else they would have to do is they would have to either put Tarek there, who he's a prop now. Um, yeah. He's, he's a prop. They'd have to put Howarth there, which also would no. not particularly work. I think... Next year should be the developmental of... Um, well, fuck, it kind of already is. Harith needs to get more game time. You don't pay a boat, yeah. boat five, like half a million dollars and not play him. It's like, what are you waiting mm-hmm. for? Well, that's something. I agree completely. I think my disappointment mostly stretches from... I, th- I think Katoa um, is a better player than Loyero. That's that's not exactly an unpopular opinion or anything. Um, but more spark in him. He does have more spark in him. Um, I think his his rock work isn't amazing, but I do think it's better than Loyero's, at least that second row position. Um, on top of that, he's just he's a weapon on the edge. He's not just a solid line runner, but he's also he's got an offload. He's got footwork. He's got a fair amount of brilliance in his game, and he can go for about 40 tackles if you need him to. So, does essentially everything that you would actually want from a strike second rower. On top of that, I think what really impressed me for Melbourne was Josh King, at least in defense. I thought that in attack, he really did not show that much spark at all. He only ran the ball six times, um, which is really not much at all. But his, he made 39 tackles that night. Tarek Sims played 32 minutes, made 25 tackles. I thought he did really well in that regard. I think attacking-wise, I thought that Christian Welch was one of their better props. I think he seemed to take the majority of the carries. And they were pretty good carries. I think that he definitely stepped up more than um, more than I expected from him, at least. Yeah. But 
So, and this is something that I was really interested in. Nick Meany took a lot of carries that game. Try and take a wild guess how many times you think he ran the ball. 15. Higher. 19. Higher. 26. Lower. 24. Bingo. Shit. Yeah. You, you don't... We're talking about workhorse fullbacks just before. And I know that you don't really think of Meany as one, but in, in that game, he did kind of um put himself into that role and try and take the pressure off his forwards. Ran for 188 metres. Um, four tackle breaks. 67 kick return metres. Wow. Yeah. He, he, I, I didn't think... Because he did do a couple dummy half runs. Yeah. He was... Everywhere he could find yardage, he went for it. Which is not really what I associate with Meany's play style. I think of him as... He's he's very much a utility shoehorned into the fullback position at the moment. I don't see him as an out-and-out fullback. Mm. Um, he's someone who's just as adequate at 5'8 as he is on the wing. Uh, basically, what I like to think of as the spiritual SR to Ben Hampton. What I would also point out here is how good he was under pressure under the high ball. Like, yeah, it's something like we speak about Walsh and the amount of pressure he was able to diffuse here. Meany backed it up completely. He did a Walshy. It was superb. Like, the amount of times they were kicking at the storm line and all Meany did was pluck it and get to the ground and boom, he stops not only a spill the ball but also a um, drop kick. So, good on Meany there and Roosters, I think they would have been very frustrated at that. I know I would have been. It's like, fuck, what else more do I have to do here? to ensure that this bloke doesn't kick, doesn't receive my kick well because every time they put that ball up at, on him, he was just plucking it. And that's yep. fucking good to see. It's not like... Cool. It's also amazing to see because, you know, you've got big bodies in that rooster side and they're charging at him. And it's just funny because it's this little bloke up against these huge men just beating them. Yeah, and I think on top of that, it also leads into the next thing called the store we're just much better at, and it was their back line. Um, I thought Olam's carries were as good as they needed to be. I thought that the exact same could be said for Marion Seve, who I've, I've actually quite liked Seve in this final series. I think that he's been really handy. Um, Warbrick took some really strong carries as well. Smith... Yeah, he at least wasn't on the level of Seve and Olin, but he's also not as kind of stocky of a body that I know. So, well, yeah, I think that they're, yeah. One of the things we pointed out with that game was that we knew the Storm's back five was going to do superior to Brewster's back five because of the amount of injuries they had. And they 
Yep. You're right. Smith, Manu, and um, Suwili E was going to be huge. I think lots of lots of people are always going to try and make the point of Suwili'i and say that he hasn't been as good this season and going back to his stint in the centres. But what you have to understand is that when he takes carries, they have impact. And those kick returns that you get from those guys are going to set the turn for the rest of the players. So... That's you start it with Suli'i, and then you get a carry from Billy Smith, and then you get a carry from Manu, and you can kind of see from there the flow-on effects of how that helps the Roosters start their sets and the kinds of work that it does for their forwards. And I think that they didn't have the benefits of that. So especially we get to the stage of the game, the Storm are able to build themselves up, and. That's that's essentially it. I thought that it was a very even battle in the forwards, uh, much more even than I expected it to be. And honestly, I do think the Storm got out just purely off their outside backs and also just some pure individual brilliance from Munster. Oh, he fucking stood up. Oh, my God. Yep. I was like, obviously, I was ripping on the bloke for, oh, I feel like he's been quiet. He stood up. Yeah, well, he it was. Up. He answered the call. Obviously, not by he's... me, but by everyone. <sighs> he's never scared of a moment. No. No matter what's happening in the game, no matter how late it is, no matter how down the team sees, he he generally gets himself involved one way or another. One try and assist. it's part of. Yep. He got one try assist. He broke nine tackles at five eight. He took the line on a lot. He knew that he had to. I always bring. I always think of whenever like he breaks a tackle, goes for a line. You know when they were versing the Sharks last year, and McInnes did the Superman. It was completely. <laughs> We've. I've got a photo of that lying around. We will be able to post it to the page at some point. I. I just think Munster's so fucking good when he's running that ball, and we all know it. You know. Just, good luck tackling him. Oh, good luck. Just ask Cookie, you know? Yeah. But he he just builds off the pressure that like Grant creates. It's so good because it's so... It's a well-oiled machine. Yeah, a bit of WD-40 in it, and they're on. And they're going to be... Mm-hmm. They're going to need to be on, and it's going to be like... The thing is with this row, with this game coming up, I think Saturday, is they aren't going to have it easy with that forward pack. They're up against the greatest forward pack in the comp right now. They're going to have to start fast, and it's whoever tuckers out in the first 20 minutes. Those, like, we we all, everyone says it, but it's so true because the first 20 minutes of this game will define how Harry Grant and Cameron Munster play this game and how they they affect on this game yep. if the Storm's forward pack gets rolled over in the first 20 we won't see Hughes Munster or Grant yep. there'll be small snippets of them but it won't be to the same effect as we, 
they can be in in club in like usual games. Absolutely. So if I'm if I'm in that shed before kickoff, I'm saying you run it fucking straight at all of them, and you win every tackle you can, because without that happening, we don't win this game. And you can see hundred and ten percent. You see how close these games can be. And it's what Brisbane did at the start of the season in the first round. They got on top of them early. And Carrigan was insane in that game. Yep. It's... If I... 13 to 12. First round. You know, could have scored first. But then it was two Herbie tries back to back. And it was a grind. The entire night, it was a grind to keep them to six points up until the seventy-six minute, and it was lot. And Adam Reynolds slots a field goal. Yep. Penrith. I also you make Penrith yep. grind. That's how you win this game. You make them grind. You tackle, tackle. You, you just defend. You tackle them out early. You just defend. You know, Storm, past year and a half, they haven't been great at defending. Now it's the time to put on the big boy pants. And you just say to them, make them work for it. The opinion that you actually can't really out Penrith the Penrith. But what you can do is force them into a position where you're not able to keep Fisher-Harris and Leota fresh because their outside back's absolutely fantastic. But if you're getting your kick chase right and you're able to pin them into their own corner or even another option is to just take the ball out of play, you know, make it so that Edwards isn't the one constantly returning kicks mm. because that's he wants to eat up all of those meters that he can he wants to try and constantly get himself involved in just general yardage work that props do. Now, this is something that's the storm. Because you look at Munster, I think that he is the most accurate kicker in the NRL right now. Yeah. He did pretty good. It's, it, it's something that I think is pretty underrated in this game because we always think about how he steps up for the big moments. But when it comes specifically to how he's gone in origin and land, I cannot think of a guy who consistently gets his bombs and his cross-field kicks landing on the exact perfect spot as often as he does. He just seems to know exactly what to do with it. You see it in all kinds of plays, um, especially that game-winning play there with that kick to Warbrick. That was perfect. Oh, it was so good. Like it wasn't it wasn't just good, it wasn't just well placed. It was specifically inch perfect. And in when it comes to plays like that, you know, they're gonna have um Brian To'o on their wing, who's going to be matching up against No, it'll be I Sunny believe it'll be Sunny versus Warbrook. Yep. So oh, so there'll be Sunny versus Warbrook on one end. But that means that on the other end, you're going to have, I believe, they named Reba Smith at wing this week. 
looking at it now, they've named Remus Smith against Cockle. Yep, so that's that in itself, they're going to be trying to use Smith's height advantage and they're going to be trying to score over there. I know everyone does this and it doesn't always work because Penrith, their centres are both fairly big. Um, but on that right side, you have Crichton, I'm pretty sure. That's where yeah. he's been playing. And You utilise Crichton in this instance. If you're close to the line, you, you move Critter back to that ring spot there. I'm not letting Toho take that kick. I'm letting Critter. Or another, another way you could do it is it's what Souths were really good at in 2021. They made men cover where that bloke was going to be catching legally. So that's what Campbell Graham was really good at because that he would also be there to cut to ensure that no one from the opposition could get closer to that ball. Well, that's usually what they do. Yeah. And they usually have critter there because teams have been trying to target that for ages. But I just think that when it comes to Munster's accuracy with his kicking, that he's going to be able to generate much better chances through it. Um, critter might get a bit of a workout in this game. Landing. Yeah, no, exactly, because just landing it right on top of Cleary's head is going to be what they're aiming for as well. Well, um, who's it usually? Is it? It's Liam Martin on that right edge. So, yeah, you, know, you know, Martin, he's got that dog in him. So he's going to be running hard. He's going to have some ferocity. You know, in origin, he was a smacking blokes. And he does it in Clubland too. So, <laughs> be careful. But yeah, he, if you make him work to defend Cleary, you're going to tire him out a fair bit too. Because Liam yep. usually plays to full 80. Yeah. And I'll say one thing that I think, and this is something that I did notice that the Cowboys did. Um, I said earlier about not letting Edwards take heaps of carries and trying to disrupt their game plan. But... Another thing you can do is if they, and this one's probably not going to work as well, but they do have the majority of the outside backs and forwards. But if they have other people who aren't able to step up in Edwards' place, what the Cowboys did is they just wore him out. Um, They knew that Edwards was going to work himself out heaps to try and take as many carries as he could. But eventually towards the end of the game, he kind of just exhausted himself. And that kind of culminated in that very last play where you see Drinkwater just blowing past him because he didn't have the energy in him to be able to chase after him, which is it's a very hard thing to do with Edwards. Um, but they did it nonetheless. Then again, just the extent to which that would be effective in finals in a full-strength Penrith team is you know, a kind of it's yet to be seen. It's... You have a look at it, and you can see why these two teams show up against each other in finals. You know, it was two years to the day that it was this exact same game going to the grand final. Wow. That's pretty coincidental, but it also means a lot because it, like... And the year after that, they matched up in the preliminaries. Well, sorry, that's what I'm saying. Because 2021, they matched up in the oh. preliminary. Yep. And they go on to win to versus Souths and win it all. Mm-hmm. Essentially, for that Penrith side in 2021, 
they played four grand finals in four weeks. Souths versus they versus Souths, then Eels in a oh that was a grind. I, I still watch that game back today. Some highlights. Pretty good. They versus Storm. They versus Rabbits again. They win them all, except the first Souths game. Yep. So. I think we're going to be experiencing a, a bit of um, tension. I wouldn't be surprised if the first hit up we see a fight. Or we see a fight at all this game. I think we'll see a fight. Definitely. It's going to be funny. Because I think uh, that photo coming out of them wearing Penrith jerseys, so-and-so, is going to light a fire under them. Yeah, it does seem like that. that's a bit of the uh, setup going towards it. Uh, it's going to be Luai's first game back as well since he got injured. Um, so, yeah, there's going to be quite a fair bit. He did get Bullshit. That's exactly it. I wonder if that shot is ready, bro. I wonder if they rushed him back. Because the big thing I... with shoulder injuries is they rush him back too early in the NRL, and you can see it. Look at Morgo. Look at Benji Marshall. Yeah. Here's another one. Just what, that's exactly it. And whatever happens with just... Because obviously that's that's where your contact is made. Yeah. When you're tackling, that's you make your contact there. And we've seen it with, like, for example, just on the weekend, um, Tyron Roberts was playing and he did his shoulder. He tried to play through it. He kind of did for a bit, but it was it was hanging a fair bit. He went to make a tackle again, and guy ran through him, and he went off the field while defending. He was done. Look at Tommy Gilbert in Origin game one. Yep. Well, he he made sure he used his other shoulder. Yeah. Tyrone didn't really have a choice based on how fast um, the line being ran at him was. I mean, it's... It's not getting younger, Tyron Roberts. Speed isn't his thing. No. Leave it to the forwards, I say. If I'm a half, I'm leaving to the forwards to tackle. Just leave me out of it. <laughs> but... I'd say he didn't really have much of a choice there. No. I-, I fully respect his ambition to actually try and make the tackle when he knew that his shoulder was... Um, because he knew it was a huge game and it was a close game towards the end. Who you got, honestly? In this one, yeah. um, I do think Penrith win. I think so. I think the forwards are just going to be on I another mean, level. We got both games wrong last week, so if we're sending this out into the universe, it probably means that Penrith lose. Um, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm okay with that, to be honest. I, I mean, like, I, whatever like, happens... They deserve it still. Like, they deserve that grand final spot. But, you know, that's just bias. So, we're going to be seeing a lot. Like, we're going to be seeing a hard game. I'm gonna, I'm all for it. That's, that's fucking yeah. trot, honestly. <laughs> it's going to be as good as it gets. Um... So with that, so we've got Storm, Broncos versus Wars. I'm going Bronx. Yeah, I'll be going Broncos as well. 
I definitely think that the Broncos are they're absolutely going to have the stronger team. You know what would be good? Uh, yep. Broncos versus Storm, the powerhouse of the early two thousands versus the powerhouse of the twenty tens. That's essentially what I want, to be honest. Yeah, I want that. I just want to watch the um, Broncos beat the Storm in a grand final one more time. It'd be pretty cool to watch. Oh, it'd be beautiful. Because I... I f- if it's Wilds versus Penrith, I think it's just going to be a mirror of what happened last year's grand final. Hmm. I don't want that. Also, it's proven... I remember doing a post. The first try-scorer of the grand final always go on the run except once, and that was Corey Oates. Oh, jeez. So, whoever scores first in the grand final this year, history's on your side, boys. But, um... Yeah. Bit of a toughie. You know what? We'll also do NRLW because we don't show enough love to those girls. Agree completely. Um, NRLW Knights versus Broncos. I've got Knights. I think Jesse Southwell is phenomenal. Tamika Upton, phenomenal. Uh, Ali Biggenshaw and Gail have been a pretty good combination this year. Although I just think the Knights, they're like, I think they're just better. You know, I, I think. Tamika has more of an X factor compared to Haley, and the only like and their forward pack is pretty evenly matched because you got Hannah at thirteen, you got Romy, you got Tasman Gray, phenomenal player, but Destiny Brill, once their forward packs get on a roll, oh, Destiny Brill, she's gonna have to carve up. Got Nita Maynard on the bench for Newcastle. I love Nita. I think she's a pretty good player. She just hasn't found that full time spot anywhere yet. Yep. And I think solely that's because of her small body. But the way she can manipulate the ruck, she's kind of like that Appy Coruscant. Hmm. Um, Roosters versus Titans. I think Roosters win this. You know. Yeah, Corbin Baxter, unfortunately. Taron. No, um... Oh, oh my God, my na- her name's slip. I can picture her, but her name's slip. Jess Surges. Yep. No, Jess... She has been named on the extended bench, however. Um, yeah. As has Emily Bass for the Titans as well, with uh, Fuamano at 18. Yeah. So, there's, there's a chance... Injured, right? Yep, Emily Bass has been injured. Um, yeah. When she's been playing for Titans, she's been really good, though. I think Titans, I still really like their halves. I, I think Bre- Brown's been going Brown's been going really well at halfback, but Shantae Kiriaratu is an absolute star. Um, she is still incredibly young. I believe it's her first season of NRLW. Um Sienna Lafipo, who's named at 14, is also incredibly young. The Both Lafipo and Kiriaratu played in the under-19s origin for Queensland this year. Okay. And they've been the Titans' main halves this season, and they've made finals, which is really impressive. 
Oof. I think honestly, the Titans forwards are they're they get really underrated. Um, not Shannon Mato. I think that she definitely gets her wraps, but Jessica Elliston and what she's able to do, she is an absolute machine. I think Shaley Bent does a fantastic job of hitting spots when running lines. Georgia Hale is probably one of the highest work rate defenders in the NRLW. So I'm really excited for this matchup. Um, head says Roosters, but my heart says Titans. What do you um, think of Brittany, Rayleigh Nati? I rate her. She's yeah. pretty good. She's pretty good. Um, yeah, she's definitely pretty good. I can see why they feel very comfortable being Lauren Brown into halfback when they have her at Hooker. Yeah. I think what the weird thing is going to be, though, is because obviously they've signed to live for Fuyamanu. Fuyamanu, uh, <laughs> sorry. I'm butchering that. Um, but even though that she's been a New South Wales representative, Shante Kiriaratu has been outstanding. Like, she has been really good. Her vision has been fantastic. She's made great decisions. She has been incredibly creative. I think that she has been one of the more understated players of the season so far, especially against the Eels, where she scored two tries and set one up. She was just playing absolutely fantastic rugby league that game. Um. On top of that, uh, I would also like to add that for the previous game we had, Knights and Broncos, honestly, I like. I understand why Knights are the favourites here, but I'm going to go Broncos. I think they can do it. I, I think they have it in them. It'll be very, it'll be that would be a good game to watch. Honestly, I'm outright refusing to write off Gal Broughton and their forward pack. I think having a second row pairing of Romy Titzel and Tasman Gray is just borderline unfair. Oh, and Broughton, Broughton does such an amazing job at unlocking his edges as well. Like, I think of all the NRLW players that I've watched live, I don't think anyone has impressed me as much as Gal Broughton has. Because she is absolutely outstanding. Everything she does is just so smooth and silky and put together. And there is just so much substance to her game. It's not even funny. I had the pleasure so, of actually watching her live too against Shar- uh, no, Yeah, Sharkies. Sorry. She, she's special, isn't she? Oh, bro. She's so good. I And the best, like the most dangerous thing is... She had. I, I'm sorry. I cannot say her name. I uh, and I'm gonna butcher this. I and it's. I'm doing her disjustice. This is deserves it. Malay, Hufunga. Malay Hufunga. Yeah, Hufunga. That's it. Oh my god, so good. She is an absolute wrecking ball. The Broncos' centers pairing in itself is incredibly OP. Hufunga, who does an amazing job in yardage, but also is just a complete cheat code whenever you get into that red zone. Um, they also have Sinead Sisolka. I am an enormous Sinead fan. Absolutely enormous. The way that she can just turn 2v2s into um, 2v1s and draw in that winger through footwork. So good with that draw and pass. Um, I also really, really rate Julia Robinson. I think she's fantastic oh, in yardage. Um, I think Broncos have a ceiling in them that we haven't actually properly seen yet. And I think that their ladder position is caused by their early season. But the team that they are at the moment is very different to who they are at the start of the season. 
So I do think Broncos can do it. There's a reason why they won so many games. Oh, sorry, so many grand finals in a row. Because honestly, this team is going to be fucking killer. Yep. Well, you look at... um, Because they played against each other in round one. Yeah. And Roosters... Roosters won that convincingly. But I think... Oh, yeah, the team... Versus the Titans. But Knights versus Broncos, this one is. Oh, that's right. My apologies. I'd gotten the red and blue teams mixed up. Well, Knights versus Broncos. Knights won that one by two points. Um, that was a pretty close game. Everything was very evenly matched. Uh, one of the things that Broncos didn't have in that game was Julia Robinson. Yeah. And I think... They also in that game they had Brianna Eels starting. Uh, Brianna is not playing the rest of the season because she's injured her wrist. Um, my mum actually works with her, oh, nice. so that's how I know this. Um, yes, no, she's an absolutely lovely person. Um, I think in that game they also didn't have Bree Clark, who I quite rate. Um, I don't know if you ever noticed Bree Clark on the sideline during NRLW Broncos games, but. She has an absolutely ridiculous amount of energy that she brings to the team. And she brings it in the way that she plays, the way that she interacts with her team. It's just complete energy, and it's such a good thing to have for them because it fires absolutely everyone up. Yeah, she's playing at 10. Yeah, I know. She's been their starting prop for a bit, and I really I do rate what she's been able to do for their team as well. I think... The way that the Broncos forwards have kind of shifted is not going to work in their favour. Nuasala is unfortunately not going to be playing, I don't think, this week. I I definitely think that they will miss her. But at the same time, Clark has shown that she is capable of playing some pretty big minutes. Um, she can make tackles if needed. She can offload whenever she gets the opportunity. She's kind of a jack-of-all-trades but the one thing that I really like is her work rate in attack. She is like, take the Eels game, for example, where she ran for 193 meters. She completely stepped up that game. Takes so many carries, gets so many post-contact meters. Very strong. So I think that I fully expect her to step up. And I also think the inclusion of Robinson is going to put them over as well. Look, I'm, I'm going... I want Bronx to win because I love Ali Brigginshaw. Big fan, obviously. Uh, phenomenal human being. Spoke to her on many occasions. Wow. Just. She's unreal. Love her. Yep. Um, I can pretty much say that about most of the Broncos team as well. Never had a negative experience with any of those players. They have all been absolutely lovely and amazing, whether it's after games or during BMD games or whenever. The one thing I loved about her, and like this shocked me, is I remember um, talking to her before Origin this year in Townsville, and he's yep. like, "Hey, I've met you before in Brisbane." And I'm oh like, wow! What the fuck? Yeah, yeah, you have. The the fact that she remembered that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, I I want to meet. I, I I spoke to Julia Robinson. She's a lovely girl. Um, she played for Wynnum. She's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, Kira Dib, 
who's not playing. She plays for cows. Bro, she is so intelligent. Not just, I'm not surprised. Not just on the field, but like, she works as an exercise physiologist. Holy oh, wow. shit. She's got her masters. She's an intelligent human being. Oh, God. Yeah. Is there anything she can't do? I don't know. Honestly. <laughs> We'd be surprised if Sometimes, there was. Sometimes, I, like, I look at this, I look at the NRLW, I'm like, bro, why is this so much better than the NRL? Because honestly, it's. I think that I, sometimes. I agree sometimes too. My sister thinks it. I take her to Broncos games every now and then. She loves it. She loves how friendly the players are after games as well. Oh, I remember. Um, I think it was Emily coming. No, Taryn. Taryn Aiken coming out after Origin. It's like, thank you guys so much for coming. And I'm like, bro, you don't have to say that. Like, this is. <laughs> us supporting you like this is because we love you guys and you know that's exactly it yeah these girls deserve more recognition and they will i I don't care what anyone says if anyone shits talks to the nrlw fucking watch it first because you obviously don't watch it agree they hit agree completely they hit harder they're more like they're friendlier and they're all around just amazing people that's exactly it these are people that not only because this isn't the only footy play they play all year, because in order to get selected for Origin, you have to play BMD, for example, for yep. Queensland. So, and they also, the majority of them will work full time jobs as well. So, think about it like this they're playing full time jobs, they're playing for two different footy clubs in most occasions, um, constantly traveling. Yeah, there's, and that's not including those who also are playing in the comps in addition to all of that. So you add up all of those and these are people that still will make time for absolutely anyone in the games. Yeah. Like that's, and also the quality of it as well is just, because if you're someone that's legitimately into, right, you're someone that loves the X's and O's of it, you love looking at different attacking shapes, the fundamentals of the game, you'd understand that there is genuinely so much to love about it. Yeah. Because you look at, like, for example, Gal Broaden, she is absolutely outstanding. Uh, the, all, her game. Absolutely remarkable. Um, I was very iffy on her moving to 5'8 this year after having a I was too, but because I thought that her ability to run the bullet fullback was unparalleled. But she is... she Honestly, and I, <laughs> I hate saying this, but she reminds me exactly of Anthony Miller in his first year because i absolutely hate comparing women's players to players um purely because i think that a lot of the time it's done just to kind of diminish the sport or people can only ever talk about women's footy in the lens of men's footy but i'm i'm not saying it because i mean it like that i'm saying it because oh my god there's so many similarities in their game and i mean that in like the highest most complimentary way possible I can't um, wait for the day when someone compares someone else to Ali Bigginshaw. Hastings. <laughs> Hastings. Hastings is budget Bigginshaw. Oh. I'm going to say it. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say it. I agree. Actually, I probably should not say going out on a limb about Jackson Hastings. Poor bastard's limbs have already been through enough. You wrong for that, bro. <laughs> um... I mean that genuinely. I hope that he is okay. 
well. Yeah, we know. Don't worry. But um, before we go, we're going to go on a tangent, and we're already over an hour. Um, so I think Greg Marju for Queensland. Greg Marju for Queensland. Uh, up the Bronx, down the Pars. Jacob, what do we love? We love our footy. That's right. Thanks, everybody.